It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. What is up, everybody? And welcome into ADZ Sports Dallas Primetime. I am your host, Mauricio Rodriguez, streaming with you live every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central here on Dallas On Demand Sports Talk Network. With a lot more content coming your way, make sure that you check out adzsports.com slash Dallas. And as always, remember that Primetime is brought to you by our friends over at Freeman Mazda. Net. We will talk more about them and the ride of the week in a few moments here on the show. But before we do any of that, let's get into the number one reason why the Cowboys shouldn't take the Commanders any lightly heading into week 18 of the 2022 NFL season. This is a tricky one because I don't know how the Cowboys will approach this game. As I shared with you earlier in the week, I still have, you know, somewhat of a doubt that they will go 100% for four quarters of football. I can see them playing strong in two quarters, three quarters in. But maybe if the Giants rest their starters and they put up no resistance against the Eagles, maybe the Cowboys change their strategy in the second half. But assume that they really want the win or that a scenario plays out in week 18 in which they're forced to actually go for the win, go for the W. This might be a tougher one to win than we expect. And it might not appear that at first, you know, when you first look at it, just because the commanders have already been eliminated from playoff contention they're making a change at quarterback, and we will get into that later. But Carson went through three interceptions last weekend. That's going to force the commanders to make a change, and they're going to be betting on a rookie that is going to be seeing his first regular season action in the NFL up to date in Sam Howell. That could look, you know, that could look a little bit easy when you look over it and everything. But listen, the commanders actually have a pretty legit defense. My question from me to you guys is from one to 10, how confident are you in the Cowboys winning this ball game? If they try to do so at a 100%, you know, effort, like assuming the Cowboys play their starters for four quarters, trying to actually win the game and not taking them out in the third quarter or fourth quarter or anything like that. Assuming that is the case, how confident are you on the Cowboys beating the Washington Commanders from 1 to 10? Let me see what you guys have to say in the chat. I will give you my answer as well. Talk success. Do not underestimate anyone who has nothing to lose. That's a, that's a good point. Gregory says, Mo, we are not taking our foot off the gas. Let's see. Uh, Dirk says, good, never take anybody, anything lightly. D-Race goes with 10, 11 for Tommy. Gregory goes with 10. Who else do we have here? Joey Vela going with 23. 
D-Ray goes with 10. So a lot of people, you know, very confident on the Cowboys winning that ball game. I'm actually kind of intrigued by the betting spread too, by the way, because many people would assume that this line is at over a touchdown, even though the Cowboys are on the road. The Cowboys are favored by seven points by the betting markets on this one. And I think that it has a lot to do with maybe some uncertainty regarding what the Cowboys will actually do on this one in the second half, specifically. Lumen goes with 4.9 NFC East rival. I'm going to kick Lumen out. Ah, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Lumen. Uh, eight for Bruce. Toxic says six. I don't take division rival games lightly, especially Washington. Although, to be fair, Dak Prescott owns Washington. Like, if you look at Dak's record against the Commanders, you can go with a nine for this answer just because that would actually be more or less his actual winning percentage against uh, the commanders, against Washington. But all kidding aside, I'm going to go with a high number on this one, but not as high. Like I'm going to go with an 8.5 just because I think that the Cowboys are really the superior team overall. And I'm not sure that I am concerned about facing Sam Howell, but I am concerned about Two things. I'm concerned about Washington's defense. They're actually pretty good. Uh, and when I say pretty good, you look at DBOA, and that's always my starting point when an analyzing football games. And uh, Washington is 22nd in the NFL in overall DBOA. They're 28th offensively. They suck moving the ball. And then they are 13th in defense. You know, not elite, but also quite good, quite decent, especially for a team in a situation like the Commanders where, where they don't get any help at all from Carson Wentz, from even like Taylor Heineke might have been better than Carson, but it wasn't like Taylor was actually killing it at the QV position. He was just going all in. He was taking a lot of risks and he was still turning the ball over. He was still kind of a volatile player at QV. He was not solving the commander's problems. That is why Carson Wentz actually was given the chance to take over once more. But the defense has been good. And perhaps there is no better way to actually track this than to figure out that number one, and this is from Ben Baldwin over at Twitter, the commanders are number one in the NFL forcing three and outs because only 67% of the opponents move the ball at least, you know, once in every offensive drive. This is a very cool defensive metric because it really talks to you about how much times, how many times an opponent moves the change at, at least once every drive. And it does a very good job ranking some of the best defenses in the NFL. And I know that this is maybe a little bit specific, but the fact that the commanders are number one on this one is actually quite relevant, I would say. 6% of the drives and then a turnover, so they're good at turning the, uh, taking the ball away as well. They do a good job defensively. And then you can also get into the whole conversation that it is an additional conversation, and I've kind of touched on it a little bit on the show as one of my top concerns for this one. But Tyler Vyadish 
is not playing on Sunday. By the way, the Cowboys released James Washington. Uh, maybe we're not going to dive in depth at that a lot, but I will say for now, maybe we, we revisit this topic later, but for now, let's say that that release or that, you know, waving of James Washington probably has a lot to do with the Cowboys getting ready to add an offensive lineman to the roster. And I would bet that that will be Matt Farniak, who already practiced today in team drills as well, according to uh, multiple reporters. But having said that, I cannot help but think of the fact that Tyler Viadish is not going in week 18. That's not the plan. The Cowboys have talked about uh, the playoffs being the plan for his return. And I cannot stop thinking about the Cowboys playing with that shaky offensive line up front. And you're facing Monte Sweat. You're facing Chase Young. I am assuming Chase plays, especially since he's only been around for two games for Washington. Played about 58% of the snaps in the first game back. Played about over 65% in the second game back. So Chase Young, I would assume, is playing on this game. And then they also have De'Ron Payne. They also have Jonathan Allen. That's one of the best defensive lines in football. They're top 10 in pressure rate. They're top five in QB knockdowns. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to see Dak Prescott knocked out. Uh, knocked down, excuse me, let alone knocked out. I don't want to see Dak knocked down on this game. It is a somewhat, I don't want to say meaningless because it is not meaningless, but it is very unlikely that the Cowboys end up improving their playoff seeding in this week. So I'm definitely concerned about that. I think that uh, there's reason to not take the commanders lightly, but let me, you know, rewind a little bit and make it clear the Cowboys should win this one if that is their objective going into it. Like if they are determined to play starters for four quarters, there shouldn't be an excuse to lose it. That being said, we've also seen the Cowboys struggle in a lot of uh, scenarios in which they play down to the competition a little bit. Maybe they struggle a little bit more than we want them to. Maybe they lack some style points, but yet they, they are one of the best teams in the NFC and they should take care of business if that's what they want to do. Let me see what you guys have to say in the chat. We've got Jack the Cactus. Uh, thank you for being here. Let's see. <laughs> what, Tommy? What? Toxic says, starting to wonder if this may be Ron Rivera's last game in Washington. I don't know. That's, that's, a, that's a good one. I would assume not. I would assume not just because it is too early. For him, and I think that he's got some career history to maybe uh, some credentials to give him another opportunity. But I don't know what Washington is going to do. I'm not. I'm not trying to sit here and predict what a dysfunctional franchise like them are about to do. Micah with four sacks. That is a Rams early prediction for the game. I appreciate it. Uh, Micah hopefully uh, gets back on track. I mean. He's got him back on track, by the way. I think that the Jacksonville Jaguars game, he had some production in there. Uh, even in the even in the Titans game, we saw six pressures by Micah. So I think that I'm not panicking at all on the Micah front. I know that we're not super content about the pass rush, but also I'm not panicking about it at all. 
Let's see. Uh, Kellen Moore loves three and outs, says Toxic Tom. <laughs> Let's see here. I remember that when Santana Moss would always cook us, no matter who was eight, eight at quarterback, says Toxic Tom, talking about a little bit of rivalry, rivalry history in there. Like it. Uh, Calvin says, I want us to find the starting five linemen and get going, like Nate Newton said. And I think that they found them. I think that they found them. Like, you're starting five. We know who they are. It's from left to right, Tyler Smith, Connor McGovern, Tyler Viadish, Zach Martin, and Tyron Smith. But for this game in particular, you don't have Tyler Viadish. And that is where things get complicated. And if Matt Farniak was available, if he was healthy, you know, from earlier, maybe you could make the argument that the way to go uh, is to replace Viadish with Farniak and leave the rest of the four other slots across the offensive line untouched. That's what I argued for on, on Monday, for example, when we talked here on primetime briefly about the topic in the event that Tyler Viadish was not ready to go for the wildcard round. Uh, he's expected to be ready to go, but we just don't know for sure. And I do, and I have noticed personally that the tone is a little bit different when talking about Leighton Van Der Esch and Jonathan Hankins, who are fully expected to come back. And I thought that the tone was a little bit different with Matt Farniak. Not today, or not yesterday, actually, when Jerry Jones called in on 105.3 The Fan. He said that not only does he hope that Farniak is back for the playoffs, he fully expects him to. So maybe things have changed. Maybe I misinterpreted them, but does sound like Vyadish is going to be back by, for the playoffs. If he's not, if he misses at least one game, you could make the argument that Farniak should be the guy at center just to leave the rest of the offensive line as untouched as possible. That would mean Tyler at left tackle, McGovern at left guard, and then the right side intact, of course, as well. Gilbert says, I hope that they don't go in overconfident, even though they might face, not, not might, they will face a rookie inexperienced QV. Now, maybe this is a gaming term, <laughs> just now realizing it, so I'm going to give some context before tossing out the next question in the chat. But in video games, when they try to balance things out and they improve, like, for example, you know, a, a weapon, they say that they buffed the weapon. They made it stronger. When they have to make it weaker, they say that they nerf the weapon, right? Or like a superpower or whatever you want to call it. So buff is improving. Nerf is making it weaker. Do you think that the commander's offense is buffed or nerfed by changing quarterbacks from Carson Wentz to Sam Howell, the rookie? So are you going with buff or nerf for this one? Let me know in the chat. While you do that, and before I give you my answer, let me tell you that later on the show, we will talk about the Freeman Mazda stat of the week. I'm excited about it. We'll talk a little bit about some uh, franchise history 
a record that is about to be broken. So stay tuned for the Freeman Mazda stat of the week. And also do me a favor and hit the like button, share the stream, and remember that every thumbs up puts this show in front of more and more Cowboys fans. So yeah, news hit on Wednesday that the Washington Commanders are changing quarterbacks ahead of the regular season finale. It was expected for Carson Wentz to be benched. He struggled, like he really struggled last week. Passed for three interceptions, less than 150 yards, and just looked terrible. Terrible. Uh, but, hey, they're making the change. And it's not going to be Taylor Haneke. It's going to be Sam Howell, the rookie that they drafted in the fifth round of the NFL draft. So, are you going with buff or nerve for the commander's offense with the QB change? Gregory says, what was the question? I'm sorry for the terms, uh, Gregory. They are gaming terms. I just wanted to toss them in there for fun. Uh, buff is improved. Nerf is, you know, weakened. So let me know if you think that otherwise, like, it is, a, is it a good change for the offense or a bad change? Let me know in the chat. El Pipiti Pau says, Nerf, the quarterback is not yet tested. Lumen says, Nerf, because I like Heineke. Sam Howell says, Calvin actually upgrades the QB position for them. Craig says, Howell is also a running QB uh, weekend, says Russell. Craig says, I told you that Washington should not have made the team. And hey, I do think that it is difficult, very difficult to evaluate James Washington fully because of what happened, because of the injury, never got to finish training camp. It was a tough situation for him. Kind of disappointed because, as I said, during the offseason, I did think that James Washington was going to provide much more for this offense. I thought that he was going to be able to earn a role. I do think that he might have gotten the chance with a complete, you know, uh, training camp. But that's irrelevant at the end of the day. The fact is that, uh, unfortunately, it didn't work out. But, you know, on the bright side of things, he's being let go because T.Y. Hilton did work. And now you're very confident in your wide receiver room with what you've got. So that's the that's the positive side of things for sure. But yeah, it, it does suck that James Washington ended up being released today. Let's see. Nerve says Gregory. Weak AF says Tommy915. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Nerf because as you, you some of you said in the chat, definitely hurts that. He doesn't have any experience. But also, I think that with Carson Wentz at this point, you need to bench him. Like, Carson Wentz was not going to be your quarterback moving forward. So definitely the smart call by the commanders to give this one to Sam Howell. And for those of you who are maybe, you know, uh, confused about what to expect from Howell, this is Dane Brugler. From The Athletic, this is his summary of the former North Carolina Tar Heel. This is it. I'm going to read it to you as well. Overall, and this is from Brugler's draft guide from earlier this year. Overall, Howell needs to clean up his footwork and develop as a pocket passer. But he has an NFL quality arm strength, athleticism, 
work ethic, and operates with a slow heartbeat. He projects as a low-end NFL starter, flashing similarities to Baker Mayfield. That is Dame Brugler from The Athletic on none other than Sam Howell. Difficult to know what to expect exactly, but I think that if you're Dan Queen and you're facing a young, inexperienced QB, you might be in for a good day. Your defense might be in for a good day, for sure. Let's see some of your comments here in the chat. No more. They should have been playing uh, Wentz one more time, says Bruce. I know we would have enjoyed it, for sure. Gilbert says, Buff, we've all seen all these new rookies coming in, and they always play good. And against the Cowboys, it's like the Super Bowl for him. That's a good point. Listen, we've seen Skylar Thompson like look decent at quarterback for Miami at some point this season. Brock Purdy is killing it for the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, of course, expecting Howell to be playing at uh, Purdy's level with the 49ers would be insane because Purdy is being helped out a lot. But hey, never underestimate these players. Like you never know what to expect from them. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Charlene says, who plays first, Eagles or Cowboys? It would determine if I play the starters or not. Unfortunately, Charlene, well, first and foremost, you are right. That would determine it. But they play at the same time specifically because of that. Like the NFL doesn't want backups playing week 18 regular season games. So in order to keep that at a minimum, they intentionally schedule these games at the same time. That is why the Cowboys and the Commanders are going to play at 325, same as Eagles-Giants, because the NFC East is in play there. And then since the Eagles are also defending their number one seed, the 49ers and the Cardinals are playing at the same time. So the NFL always does that on purpose. And I think that that is good. Like that is good for us as NFL fans because you get less games. You get fewer games with backups on the field, which is ultimately the goal. So I, I, I can agree to that philosophy by the NFL. That is actually why the league has been way more flexible in week 18. And overall, with their flexing of the schedule, they're making more changes from Sunday night to afternoon games noon games to Sunday night. But week 18 specifically, they even announce the dates as TVD. They say, yeah, that the games are going to be played like this, but the schedule is TVD, and they announce it six days earlier than the actual week. So that is the reasoning behind that. So it will be at the same time. So if the Cowboys make a decision based on what the Giants do and what the Eagles do, we might see them pull their guys early in the game, especially if they're ahead against the commanders, which would, of course, be the ideal scenario. There would be nothing like uh, being up by 20-something points in the third quarter and then saying, okay, Cooper Rush, it's your time to shine once more. And then one completion into the game, some people on social media will be like, oh, yeah, bench Dak Prescott, because that's how social media works for some reason. But all kidding aside... We've said that multiple times this season on, yeah, if the game script favors them, they can pull their starters out. 
unfortunately, it has not worked out quite that way for Dallas. So we'll see if week 18 is quite different. Toxic says, Mo, I just really don't like or respect the commanders. Should just vote them out of the NFC East. Or, or hear me out, Toxic, like just Dan Snyder. Like let's get rid of Dan Snyder and then we can go from there. <laughs> Let's see here. Uh, that's too early to pull them out, says Thomas. Maybe. <laughs> Giants are not playing anyone uh, for the fifth seed. Oh yeah, they're not. They're not playing for for anything. They're not playing for anything. Seeding wise, they're locked into the number five seed, which is why I've said all week long that I kind of don't expect Giants to play their starters a whole lot. Maybe they do play them for like a couple of drives or something like that. I think that the 14-point betting spread is also screaming at us, letting us know that they won't be playing at full strength. Odds makers know things. And once more, I will point out that Brian Dable said on Sunday, yes, we're not resting anybody. And then he came out on Monday and said, we're going to do what's best for the team. And that's that's kind of shady. That, that That is a quite the change of tone. Sixth seed, excuse me, Brian, you're right. Uh, sixth seed, of course, obviously the Cowboys are fifth at minimum. Uh, misspoke there. Thank you. Anyways, moving on, ladies and gentlemen, it is time. It is time to get into the Freeman Mazda stat of the week. <music> ladies and gentlemen, the Freeman Mazda stat of the week presented to you, of course, by Freeman Mazda is a stat that could result in a franchise record. And it's got to do with one of the best defensive players on the Cowboys this season. And I am talking about a defensive back, to be even more precise. I am talking about the defensive back that leads the entire NFL in sacks. Because ladies and gentlemen, Donovan Wilson is number one in the league with five sacks in 2022. This is one game before the regular season finale. But the interesting part of this stat is that he's actually tied with none other than Bill Bates for most sacks by a defensive back in Dallas Cowboys history. And Donovan Wilson has been completely amazing for the Dallas Cowboys this season. Think about this. He's done it all for Dan Quinn. He's played 378 snaps within the box. He's played in 341 snaps at free safety, 88 defensive snaps at a, as a slot cornerback, and then 77 more snaps at the defensive line. And that's allowed him to be the Cowboy with the most QB pressures among non-defensive linemen, most sacks as well. He's he has one interception, one pass breakup, one first fumble, and this is one of my favorites, 36 defensive stops. That is second in the NFL behind Demarcus Lawrence and second tied with Cowboys superstar Micah Parsons. Donovan Wilson has been absolutely insane for the Cowboys this season. And you can see him shoot through gaps at elite speed, game speed specifically. He can close in on offensive ball carriers. 
in a, you know, in a in the blink of an eye. And Donovan Wilson has gotten five sacks because of different things. Sometimes it's Dan Quinn's beautiful, beautifully designed pressures in which Donovan Wilson can go untouched at times at the line of scrimmage. But also, we just saw an example of one of his best sacks last Thursday when the Cowboys played the Tennessee Titans. And you saw Donovan Wilson mirroring Joshua Dobbs, changing directions as he went. Closed in, got the sack. He's got a great burst. So, ladies and gentlemen, Donovan Wilson, that is your Freeman Mazda stat of the week. Five sacks, most in the NFL right now, most in Dallas Cowboys history tied with Bill Bates. He can take that record for his own with one more sack on Sunday versus the Washington Commanders. So a little bit of history sticking there, heading into the regular season finale. Just as a fun fact, Bill Bates had five in 1984 in 12 games. He only played 12 games, had five sacks, most by a Dallas Cowboy defensive back in the history of the franchise. Having said all of that, do me a favor and let me know what is your one word to describe Donovan Wilson. Let me know in the chat whether you're watching on Facebook or YouTube. And while you give me your answers, and before I give you mine, let me talk to you about the Freeman Mazda ride of the week as well. The 2022 Mazda CX-30 Premium. This one starts, ladies and gentlemen, at $32,130. It's got all-wheel drive. It's got heated power, memory foam, leather seats, Wi-Fi hotspot, which is a game changer, a sunroof, premium audio, and a miles per gallon capacity of 24 when you are in the city. That goes up to 31 when you are in the highway. Make sure that you check out the Freeman Mazda right off the week. They brought you the Freeman stat, the Freeman Mazda stat of the week. There you go. Let's see. What's your one word to describe Donovan Wilson? One of my favorite players this year, for sure. Tommy says, assassin. Badass for Gilbert. El Pipiripao says, beast. Slick, says Mark Andrew. Monster for Calvin. Bat baller for Dwayne. Let's see. Uh, Cheryl says, beast. Pro bowler. Ooh, toxic. I like that one. I like that one because he's been, <laughs> he has been labeled as the biggest snub in the NFC. Awesome for Gregory. Keeping it simple but true. I'm going to go with Missile. Because he does look like a missile. Or a cannonball. He gets sacks the same way that he gets tackles for loss. He's just going at 100 miles per hour. Has a great vision to find that, you know, crease to get into the backfield. And he does that every game. Another aspect of the stat that I forgot to mention in the segment, he has seven tackles for losses this season, according to Pro Football Reference. Each of them has come in a different game. So seven games have had that, uh, Donovan Wilson record a tackle for loss. That is a consistent impact on the way the Cowboys play defense, for sure. Mojo, more words in there. Uh, Frick for Mando, dominating for Brian. Islands is Lumen. 
he's done he's done uh great in coverage as well ines is awesome yeah love the guys russell hopefully the hopefully we resign him bouncing betty says brian i like it uh anomaly says anthony Ooh, like that one too yeah, he's in a contract view as well as as uh, Russell says. So that that should prove to be interesting. Uh, anyways, ladies and gentlemen, before I get out of here, before I let you move on with your Wednesday, just some thoughts on Mike McCarthy addressing the media today on the Mar Hamlin. By the way, uh, sure, pretty much all of you will be updated with the Mar Hamlin situation. But if you are not, uh, he remains in critical condition. Remains sedated. Uh, his family friend and marketing rep talked to the media today and didn't go into specifics, but he did say there, there has been a positive development. Like, And he's phrasing on NFL Network while being interviewed with by Cameron Wolf, excuse me. He said something like along the lines of, and I mentioned this phrase because it really stuck with me like it was a very specific thing. He said, what the doctors wanted to see, they saw. So kind of some positive signs on the Mar Hamlin, which is, of course, great to hear. But it's also important, very important to keep in mind that it is very, very early in the process. And he remains in critical condition, which is, of course, a big, important note to Keep in mind. And Mike McCarthy talked about it. And I think that he nailed it. Some of his quotes. And this is via the Dallas Cowboys website. I will read it uh, as he said it. He said, you don't really think about Sunday right now. I mean, it's Wednesday. And we have a schedule of things that we need to do today. And that's happening. You know, and I have great confidence that we will get done when we need it. But most importantly, and stating the obvious, if, but if we need to adjust, we'll adjust. This is an important game but it's clearly about what's most important right now. Our focus is on one another and making sure that we're pushing the prayers out there to Damar and his family because this NFL community is very tight. You're no further than one person removed from anybody in this community. And so this hits close to home with a number of our players. We've all been talking about experiences, our experiences the last couple of days. And it really speaks to the challenge that NFL coaches have been going through over the last few days in which they, they listen, mental health has recently entered the conversation, right? I can tell you from my point of view, 23 years old, never grew up hearing about mental health in my education. Maybe until, until college, it started being, like a big topic that I heard about, but it wasn't something that my parents talked to me about at all. Imagine in, an, in a male-dominated industry like football is, in which we're just starting to see the league modernize itself in a variety of ways, you're, you're going to... And we've started to hear more and more often about players and coaches talking about mental health. It's never been more important than it is this week. How do you keep a 
room full of men that are going to take the field this very weekend. Like if we're Chuk, we are Chuk. And then imagine the guys that are actually going to play and that are thinking, could have been me, could have been another guy. And of course, this is a very isolated incident. Like it's not a concussion we're talking about that happens every week for to at least one player around the league. But, you know, it's tough. And I think that big challenge for coaches around the NFL this week, keeping in, keeping in mind what matters most, which is the Mar Hamlin's situation and how it's impacted everybody, but also balancing with the fact that we need to play a ball game this weekend. It's going to be tough. We'll see how the NFL looks like this weekend. But I thought that Mike McCarthy nailed it when talking to the media today. And I think that McCarthy has actually been at the forefront around the NFL of pushing mental health. The Cowboys have uh, Chad, for example, who players talk about, who leads them in some, you know, uh, meditating-like kind of sessions. I don't know if meditating is a word that they actually use, but something similar to it. Very interesting. <laughs> Shout out to all of you in the chat. <laughs> Some speculation on Skywalker's age. <laughs> Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, just wanted to close out the show with those thoughts. Uh, you guys know that we've been thinking about it all week long, and it's impossible not to do at least a small segment on it just about every night. So very important, very important. Uh, reflect about mental health as well. Uh, not the first time that we talk about it on the show too. Mindfulness, Mo, says toxic. Mindfulness, Mo. <laughs> there you go. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining the show. Do me a favor, hit the like button, share the stream. If you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, let your friends know about A to Z Sports Dallas Primetime. Every like puts this show in front of more and more Cowboys fans. So help me out with that. Simple but big. That like takes about one second. Thank you, everybody, for joining the show. Freeman Nasda, as always, bringing you A to Z Sports Dallas Primetime. I will see you tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Central. Nos vemos. Tengan un buen miércoles. Hasta luego. Bye-bye.